Hashtag SAFM Headspace. Former DA leader and Western Cape Premier Helen Zida said on Monday she wanted one last chance to get the party back on its feet. Zida announced that she would be contesting the position held by outgoing Federal Council Chairperson James South hours before nominations closed on Friday. Uh, party leader Musibaimane's supporters were left reeling after the shock announcement, which places Maimane's favorite for the role, Federal Executive Chairperson Ethel Trollip, on the back foot. This is what we're told, at least according to the city press. So, instead of speaking to the city press or political analysts, or any other person for that matter, we decided to speak to uh, Madame Zilla herself to find out exactly what's going on. The last time we heard, she was retiring. She was going to relax and exit politics and be an analyst and be an intellectual. It seems as though now she has changed her mind. If you were to read the things that she has said, it seems as though this decision is quite recent on the 3rd of October. She decided on the 3rd of October that she is going to change her mind. She's going to throw her hat in the ring. So we invited her. So joining us now on the line, Helen Zilla, good evening to you and thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. Good evening. Yes, I thought I was retired and not having to do interviews yeah. half past ten at night, but I'm very <laughs> happy to be with you. Thank Indeed. you. Thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. So uh, what exactly changed your mind? Surely uh, we can't fault you for changing your mind. A wise man or woman changes her mind, but would like to know why. What is it that changed your mind? Well, I have been approached by a number of people because there's a lot of concern about the trajectory of the party. And I said, no, 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 no. And then on Thursday, we had this discussion again, and I discussed it with my husband. And on Friday morning, he basically woke up and said, you know, I've been thinking about it. I think you should give it one last bash. And then we discussed it through, and I thought, let me try. Let me try one more time. I may not win it. There's a good chance that I don't win it. But if I do win it, I can have just one more chance at stabilizing, at unifying at getting all of the elements together to make this party work because South Africa's future depends on it. So the role that you have chosen to go and throw your hat in the ring for is not one that well, one would have assumed you would choose. After all, you have been the party leader, the actual head honcho. Why this particular office? <laughs> well, you know, there are different roles to play, and I'm quite happy to play different roles. I don't have to be the bride at every wedding and the corpse of, of every course. funeral, okay. Okay. I, can, I can play support roles, and this one is actually a support role. But at the moment, there are major challenges between various arms, institutions, processes, structures of the party to get them to mesh, to get them to align, to get them to work properly. And I could put a lot of effort into, into getting that right. We heard that there were some questions about your eligibility, but as far as our bulletin is concerned, the 10 o'clock bulletin, it has been confirmed that you are in actual fact eligible. Who are these people that thought you were not eligible within your party? I have absolutely no idea. I am absolutely eligible. I'm a paid-up member. I'm a member in good standing. I campaigned like anything in the election campaign. It's a request of the leadership. I did robocalls, I went door to door, I held public meetings, I went fundraising, I did all of those things. So to now suddenly claim that I'm not a member in good standing or that I'm not eligible to, to stand is just extraordinary.
So you're saying you do not know who is it that was challenging your eligibility? No, I have absolutely no idea. I read it in the newspaper myself, so they didn't name names. Okay. All right. So you were not informed um, uh, by the presiding officer in your party when they looked into it and confirmed that you are actually eligible? They never informed you? No, no, I wasn't informed at all. I suppose if they had found that I was not eligible, they would have informed me. Okay. But when people queried as to whether I was eligible and the presiding officer said yes, there was no need to contact me. Yeah. Well, uh, you are contesting this position with another closet speaker. So you're both closet speakers there, well, Ethel Trollope. Ne- <laughs> Let me tell you, I'm not nearly a fluent closet speaker. Not nearly yeah, a fluent yeah, closet speaker, yeah, Ethel Trollope. Yeah. I've learned from scratch. And uh, Ethel grew up with his mother's multi-speaking closet. Mm-hmm. So you you don't think that he should be? Uh, the, the general assumption is when you're contesting a position with somebody, it is because you believe you're more eligible or perhaps even best place. What is your phrase as a DA? Fit and proper? What, what's that phrase that you'd like you're using, by the way? Uh, okay, it's just lost my mind now. It's escaped my mind. Uh, but it, it's... Fit for purpose. That's fit right. for purpose. That's the one. That's the one. Oh, yes. Yeah. So uh, is it because Ethel Trollope is not fit for purpose? Well, you know, we all bring different attributes to different positions. I'm a unifier. I know I have the reputation of being a very, I suppose, a fierce eater in Afrikaans, which is a fire eater directly translated, which means fire and brimstone, I suppose. Yeah. But I can really bring people together, I do believe, and I have done that very often, and I can run things well. So I think that's what the party needs in that position right now. Okay, um, a fire eater um, is another way of calling it. Some people are saying you're rather divisive. I'm, I'm surprised to hear you saying you're a unifier. Do you feel that you have unified the republic? Well, I don't know about the republic, but I certainly know about the party. Okay. Um, you know, I I took over a very, very divisive metro region in Cape Town and unified it. I ran a seven-party coalition successfully in Cape Town. I ran a very united caucus in the Western Cape government. I am very good at putting disparate groups together. Now, obviously, that's what made me a bit of a threat to the ANC, and they have run very divisive campaigns to try and paint me as something that I'm not. But, you know, that doesn't worry me. Within the DA, I continue working and doing the best I can. Okay. All right. Uh, I, I totally understand and I agree with you that the, the DA yeah. has grown under your leadership. But I would have assumed that, again, that I could be wrong. I would assume that your role in any political party as political leaders is to use your position in that political party to play a role within the greater spectrum of, of South Africa. Uh, within yes, the, absolutely. So why why would you want to confine your unifier status to the DA and yet you're supposed to be a South African influencer? You seem to have one effect on South Africa and a different effect within the, the political party. Well, the bottom line is this. Political parties exist to contest against each other. That's what we exist to do. It doesn't help to say, oh, let's all hold hands and agree on one policy. The reason that you have a multi-party democracy is that people have different ideas about how to solve the problems of the country and how to move into the future. 
And many people have different ideas on that. And our job is not to start pandering to people who would never agree with us and our political philosophy. Our job is to bring together all the people who instinctively do or who have the potential of doing so, unify them and grow stronger and beat our opposition. All right. Let me open some lines for you and uh, perhaps uh, chew. How long on. is this going to take? Up, up, up until, up, up, for, for the next 19 minutes, I'll, I'll let you go at, at 11 o'clock. Oh, I am so tired. I can't oh. begin to tell you. Uh, All right, let's go. All right, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. 0891 You're listening now to a conversation we're having with Helen Zilla. She is joining us to speak to us about her decision, recent decision to throw her hat in the ring so that she can be again in politics and active politics. 0891 104207. 0891 104207. Uh, we're talking now about a, a, a DA that seems to have, uh, well, a few political setbacks because of its leader, Musi Maimani. What's your stance as far as that is concerned? Well, I wouldn't say it's because of the leader, Musi Maimani. That would be jumping to a conclusion that I don't think is justified or justifiable. The bottom line is this, that um, there is a review panel that is looking at the reasons for the party's setbacks, and we're waiting for it to report. And when it has reported, we will see what remedies the review panel proposes, and the party will take it through due process. Well, um, uh, perhaps we're talking about two different things. What I was referring to is uh, the some of the members of the political party, the DA, who seem to who are alleged to be daggers out for Musi Maimon and calling for him to step down. Surely that is not a united DA if there are some party members who want to get him out of the seat, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not suggesting that the DA is unified. I said we need to become unified and I'm prepared to put a a lot of work into that project. So, you know, the difficult thing with being a leader of a party is that when things go right, you can take the credit, but if things go wrong, you have to take the responsibility too, and that's just the rough thing. No success is entirely due to the leader, but the leader is able to take the credit for it. No failure is entirely due to the leader, but a leader can definitely... um, take responsibility or should take responsibility for failures, even if they know very well that they aren't the only, even not the major contributors to that failure. All right. Uh, let me take some calls for you. As promised, go to Clerks Dop. We do have Timothy. Good evening, Timothy. Evening, sir. Mm. Um, good evening to uh, Madam Helen Zilla as well. Um, good evening. My comment is as follows. Um, I think that Musi Maimani is too relaxed. And uh, if he continues to relax in this political landscape, um, he won't have a political future because it seems as though um, he's trying to play the the backseat and uh, he's not as involved um, during campaign stage. But um, apart from that, I just wanted to to find out from um, Ms. Helen Zida. Um, In terms of decolonizing education, and um, right now, I, uh, we overheard that um, the Afrikaners are trying to build um, um, an African school to further the interests of the Afrikaner population. What, what is her feeling about um, 
uh, that section of society uh, building and entrenching um, their, their culture and uh, I feel as though they might not be contributing as much to building other uh, universities of other dialects or should I say other languages. So what is her feeling about what is currently happening right now? Thank you. All right, thank you very much. Appreciate your call. Timothy, let's go to Sboniso in KZN. Good evening, Sboniso. Good evening. How are you today? Well, thank you, sir. Go ahead. What's on your mind? Good evening, Helen. As well. One thing I like, I think we must give credit where it's due. Helen is one of those leaders who are very frank and robust whenever they engage. But she's a racist, of course. I think we must also elaborate on that. Remember, the Mbali Tuli issue, she persecuted her. Uh, Lindy, where she's the one who dealt with her, now is dealing with my man. So she uses the African as her puppet. That's how she portrays herself. And her projection as a leader is always ensuring that let us let them protect the significant minority who are capitalists, who are driving this country toward the downtrodden. They are not just trying by all means that take back South Africa to an apartheid era. In fact, she's even categorical of saying that the apartheid regime was better than what is currently happening because she benefited herself. She was there when Steve Bigo, she's the only journalist for the record now yeah, who was given a platform or was who was given a chance to document about Steve Bigo. Up until today, she has not told South Africans what really transpired. But unfortunately, some in some of the corners, she is taken by some naive Africans as their hero. Those are in their PA, but she is someone who is always too transparent. Unfortunately, her weakness of being a racist just denigrates even the, 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 the minute element of her as a good leader. She is not a good leader for only that because she does not see other human beings as equal as her. So tell me, tell me, tell me, Swaniso. Yes. Um, you, you said yes. three things. I want to ask you to just help me with two of those. You said she's a racist. Help me understand how you arrived at that conclusion. And then you said she, she's, she dealt with Lindy Wemazibuko. Now she's dealing with Mumsimayamani. Help me understand what you mean by that. If, if you follow social network, you always understand that she had a tip with African leaders. She has lambasted Mbalim Tuli, who happened, who's leading the A in the province of Wazul-Natal. She fought with Lindy Oma Zibugo, who was her ticket at some point in time, but she's the one who was supposed to protect her. She couldn't do that because it was not in her best interest. I'm saying that if you follow her in terms of racism, she's saying that there is nothing wrong with whites in South Africa enjoying the privilege. In fact, it was better in apartheid okay. of what transpired. Those are the issues or the premise that I'm setting. And to share first, All right. not in fact in some years. So those are the issues. All right. So when you say um, uh, she, she, she dealt with uh, Lindy and now she's dealing with Musi, what is, it, what is this dealing? What are you referring to? Because fighting is always happy. It happens between husband and wife. It happens anywhere. Yeah. No, no, no. It doesn't happen anywhere. If you were saying that you support, I confess, who hadn't really supported my man when he met in the higher echelons, but only to realize that no, this African is 
taking another direction now. I must come back and take because that's how white supremacy in their brain said things that they are the only people who must be in charge. She will build the, 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 the naive or the token white power and use it to, 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 to suppress those Africans. And when they realize that no, no, this one is getting more advancement, then they will support you, like what is currently happening. If you can just ask a direct response, what, what is wrong? But you're not, but you're not telling me what it is that she's doing there, Swanis. When you say she's sabotaging my money now, you don't tell me what is she doing to sabotage my, my money. Now, now, I'm a little skeptical now because it's not like I'm saying that there must be a direct fight. I'm saying that if you are elected as a leader, my man is supposed to be getting in support role from Helen. She's conniving against him as the leader of the DA. She's the one currently, you know, in the issue of, of the organization, that the issue of... The person who wrote that article was just given a direct assignment by Helen Zille. We all understand that. Okay. That she must say that no, 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 there's not need for African blacks are clear now that they can vote for any part. It's not true. It's her style. That's her understand that it's how it's okay. very cunning someone. So right. that's what I'm asking. I'll, I'll have a respond. All right. Thank you very much. Appreciate your calls. Bonisa. Good evening. Pungane, good evening. What a nice show you had yesterday, Pungane. <laughs> I don't and think your, so. <laughs> Pungane, your empress, your empress, right? Yes. Again, she needs to listen. She um, she is intellectual, but she needs to listen. But Indeed. anyway, that's Indeed. on the open line. Thank you, sir. Mm. Pungane, I hope you're making notes and feel as well, Madame Zil Nonsapo. That's a closer name that was in Cape. Okay. She's called Nonsapo. Yeah. Um, I hope she's also making some notes. One, around 1977, they're about... As a journalist in Rent Daily Mail, I think she interviewed the doctors that would have um, observed Steve Biggs, Dr. Tucker, and Dr. Lang, you know. And as an activist, young as she was then, why did she not join the ANC? Going, going along, the gear that we had now in 96 is a neoliberal policy with some obsession on the growth, right? As if if there is growth, there will be employment and there will be risk distribution. In other words, where there's growth now, it cascades down to the poor, right? Nothing can be further from the truth, right? We've been having pedestrian growth rate. Remember first quarter, minus 3.2. Second quarter, 3.1, you know. So now, at the end of the year, if we get 0.7, we'll be very lucky. Moving along, what does she think should be, assuming, of course, the TA gets into power, should be the macroeconomic policy, okay? That will extricate South Africa out of unemployment, poverty, inequality. Last one. The people I've met right here in the Nelson Mandela Bay, right, are appreciative of Trollip. And trust me, they are blacks, Okay. They are saying Trollip was performing fairly well. I don't know what happened with this and that, you know, behind the door, you know, as compromises resulting in UDM, that is two seats or something, with Bobani being the, I mean, the mayor. All I'm saying, people around here, in particular where I am in Guadalupe, right, the introduction that Trollip did with small businesses, you know, uh, something Zil did, right, at the top of the train station in Cape Town. In PE, there's no train station where I am, but the 
idea of small businesses introduced by Trollip is something to be commendable. So to me, Nai, what is the macroeconomic policy that this country needs to adopt to extricate South Africa out of poverty? And in the Western Cape, will she be amenable in introducing um, if somebody raped somebody, I've mentioned this thing to Natasha Mazzoni, but she was combative with me, you recall, Naya. Mm. Will she be amenable that in the Western Cape, where they are living, that if somebody rapes, there's chemical castration? Naya, a very good evening. All right, thank you very much. By the way, you phrase it rather differently than you did with Natasha. That's why she was responding in the way that she did. Let's take our final call and have our, our guest respond. Go to Kimberly Mulugi. Good evening. Uh, good, uh, good evening, sir. Mm. Yeah, I've got another take on this one. Okay. Uh, the first one on Helen. I, I was just thinking maybe Helen should, uh, you know, call it quits. She had done quite a lot for this party. And then moving to another le- to another level, I believe the DA was poised to achieve unity within his own party over the last two years when the ANC was in such a disastrous position. They could have given us a prototype of what a real politi- political party should be like going forward in this country because that is what we need. But instead, they imploded from within and even all the political parties, they didn't, uh, you know, they took off their eye on the real ball. The real ball was that they must remove the ANC. The ANC was blundering big time. The ANC was there for their taking. But instead of Looking at the ANC, they concentrated on themselves, on their differences. There are some issues which the ANC, the DA, got wrong. The first one was the Helens, the Helens, no, not the Helens, sorry, ma'am, the, the, the delay issue there in Cape Town. They got that one completely wrong. The second one was their issue on land, where they're looking primarily at white interest. That one they got wrong. The electorate got disenchanted with it. And then the other one also was their issue with affirmative action and with many racism issues which they could not manage. Otherwise, they would have, you know, they were poised to take over this country. The ANC was there for the taking. And still, even today, they've got these problems among themselves. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Let's have her respond. Madam, you can respond. There were lots of things, and I didn't really have a pen in my hand or a piece of paper. Hello, are you there? Yes, I'm here. It was, okay, good. Yeah. Go ahead. So, Timothy called, and he said, Musi Maimani seems to be very relaxed. Well, I can assure you, Musi Maimani works all hours of the day and night. He comes across as relaxed and amenable, which is a very nice quality for a political leader to have. But he works like a Trojan, and, um, I, and no one can fault him on that, that's for sure. In terms of the education, I think he was referring to Soltech, which is Solidarity's Technical College. Now, that is nothing new. It's been going on for a very long time. And it's completely constitutional. It's recognized by the Department of Higher Education and Training. I don't know why Panyasa Lesufi only discovered about it now and various other people. But the bottom line is that anybody can build institutions that they want to. PANSAL exists to ensure the equality of all the languages. The Afrikaans communities worked very hard to get a curriculum right through from grade one through to every technical speciality there is and every postgraduate degree that there is. And the Constitution defends that right. 
And as mother tongue language speakers, they can only do it for the language they speak. They can't do it for other languages. That's why the institutions of state are there to do it for all languages. And that is why that question needs to be asked to Pansel. What are you doing to ensure that all languages can achieve that particular outcome? You can't blame some people for doing it when everyone has an equal right to do it and there's an institution called Pansalb that is supposed to help everybody achieve that. So that is my comment on that particular issue. Sibonisol was all over the place. Um, I have never used a single person as a puppet or any other thing in my life. Um, Lindiwe decided of her own accord that she didn't want to contest another election uh, for the leadership of the caucus in the National Assembly. In fact, her decision to leave took me totally by surprise. She is an autonomous being in her own right. She can take her own decisions. And to suggest that everybody takes their decisions because of something I do is absolutely bizarre. But ditto Mbali and Tuli, she's a person in her own right, she can make her own decisions, etc., etc. I have never used anyone as a puppet or anything else, and I can only be honest and straightforward and direct. And I have never in my life and would never say apartheid was better or anything like that. That is a complete and utter invention. So I don't know where people get this kind of nonsense from, but the only way I can describe it is complete nonsense. I was the person most responsible for diversifying the DA, and I have done, literally, I'm sure, more than 99% of people in the DA and more than a very significant percentage of people in South Africa to fight apartheid. So I would never say that apartheid was better than what you've got now or whatever Sibonito suggested that I did say, which I have not. Then uh, I think it was Toko asked what we, what, what we need to do to grow the economy. Well, the only way you grow the economy is through investment that expands economic opportunity and then have people with the skills and the qualifications to fill those spaces. The tragic irony in South Africa is we have a big shortage of skilled workers. There are lots of unfilled jobs for skilled people, yet we have millions of people who are unemployed. So there's a very bad fit there. But, you know, in under Thabo Mbeki's period as the president, when he was following his macroeconomic policies, in fact, unemployment went right down and economic growth went up and investment went up. And when Jacob Zuma came into power and state capture started and all the populist policies started, the whole thing unraveled. And you must just look how unemployment went in South Africa from about 3.6 million, which is still a lot, but it went from there to more than 10 million. And that is the disaster of the policies we've seen. So all over the world, while growth is not a cure-all, definitely the absence of growth is a cure-all. And you don't have growth unless you have investment, unless you have confidence, unless you have policies that encourage people to take a risk with their ideas and their money. And people who've got ideas and money can go anywhere they like in the world, and we've got to make them choose to be in South Africa so they can invest and create jobs here. That is the only solution, and if you call it neoliberal, whatever you care to call it, there is no other way sustainably in a democracy to create jobs and to beat poverty.
All right. Um, um, our time yeah. is, is up. We need to end our conversation on that note. And I don't want to keep you more than you have agreed and so that you can come again. Helen Zilla, thank okay, you very cool. much. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yeah, I've all the best. With you. Thank you, Sam. Thank you. Bye. All right. That was Helen Zilla. Now, one of the candidates for the office, which everyone is looking with bated breath. What is going to happen with the DA then? It's 11 o'clock. It's time for the final bulletin for today with.